0: because great leaders will produce great results.
1: Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a friend and wonderful guest today, Joshua Spodek. Welcome, Joshua. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. Okay. And I had the opportunity to for Joshua and I to visit a couple of years ago. He was a guest as one of our podcast guests, and today he has written a new book that was just released two weeks ago, and I'm excited to have Josh share with you the contents, the idea, and the impact of initiative. That's the name of it. The subtitle is A Proven Method to Bring Your Passions to Life and Work. So let's, uh, first of all, give you a little background on Josh. He's a TEDx speaker, professor at NYU, host of the award-winning Leadership and Environment podcast, a columnist for Inc. Magazine, author of the number one best-selling book, Leadership Step-by-Step, which we had fun talking about that previously He holds five Ivy League degrees, including a PhD in astrophysics. We talked about that before. That just generally helps you everywhere, doesn't it, Josh? It does. I'm going
2: to add one more honor, which is you and I met, I think, years ago around my first book. Last, about six months ago, I met and had a burrito with your son who has profiled me in his book, which is a great honor for me.
1: Yeah, that's great. And he loved visiting with you. That was a lot of fun. And he shared what a big impact that was on him. So thanks for doing that. Great.
2: (laughs) Oh, thanks to him. Yeah.
1: He has an MBA from Columbia where he studied under a Nobel laureate and helped build an X-ray observational satellite with the European Space Agency and NASA. And I mean to tell you, Josh's experience just goes on and on. So... I am really looking forward to this discussion for gaining new ideas, and I I know you are as individuals that are excited to gain new knowledge, new insights, and look for ways to apply that to what you're doing today in the process of becoming your best. So let's dive right into this book, Josh, and What's the difference between your method initiative and what you call dog show entrepreneurship? Give us some background on this and let's dive into it.
2: Yeah, the dog show. So for a long time, I would ask people, have you seen the Westminster dog show? Not everybody has, but a lot of people have seen dog shows. And I asked them what it's like. What's it like a dog show? And they say it's like people kind of dancing around or prancing and the dogs trotting around. They're all perfectly coiffed and... The judge judges how well they look. And I say, if you could own a dog, and the only way you could own a dog was that way, would you, and a lot of people, people who love dogs, wouldn't necessarily want a dog if that was the only way to do it. And when I talk about the judging and so forth, I say, we have turned entrepreneurship into the Westminster Dog Show. And I'm not saying everywhere, but there's a lot of, if you watch Shark Tank, or you look at a lot of the stuff of like business plan competitions, a lot of it is not so much what I had with my dogs growing up, they got messy, they got dirty, we played in the mud and stuff like that, but I loved it. They would never win an award, but I loved it. And there's a lot of people that could start businesses or projects that might not be something that would go to an IPO, it might not be something that would get venture capitalists to buy it, it might not be something that would make the front page of Forbes or Inc., but they would love it and it would be great. And a lot of the resources out there are designed, you know, they're buy-in for Silicon Valley types so they're buy-in for researchers. Where they're like these big things, like to win Best in Show. That's great. I love that those resources out there. I think that they're great for them. But most people don't have an idea and a team to start off with, and they need to start a little bit earlier. And they don't. They won't have a great life, and they won't want to do something really great. If it becomes Best in Show, great. That does happen with my stuff. But my method, initiative, what I call the way of taking initiative, is designed for people who don't yet have an idea and a team. They're not necessarily engineers in the 20s who are trying to get venture backing to get an IPO, but they could still love the projects that they create. Usually, they're going to be projects that are entrepreneurial to start a new company. But oftentimes, a lot of the people who've gone through these exercises have gone to start a nonprofit. But most of them, they go to their managers at work and they get responsibility and authority and resources to do projects at work. So you could call it entrepreneurship, but I like to call it just simply taking initiative. I think it, I like the simpler word. And so method initiative is the exercises that I put in the book, you go step by step and it leads you through in the short term how to create a project. In the long term, how to become someone who knows how to create projects anytime.
1: So what you're saying is there's a difference Josh between having this refined finished product and being down in the trenches and actually making something successful. And is that what you're saying that there's a specific process that helps you get there?
2: Yeah. Mostly what I'm saying is that it's more than the idea that you start with. It's the social and emotional skills that you as an innovator, as an initiator, as someone who wants to have responsibility and a project of your own, it's developing the social emotional skills of seeing the germ an idea before it's really worth doing and being able to share that with people. And what I do is I walk you through the process of, developing a pre-idea, something so rudimentary that an investor would say, this doesn't even count. This isn't worth it. But if you talk to people close to you and not ask for judgment, but get advice, then you can improve it. There's 10 steps in this process. And each step takes you from something rudimentary to something that kind of works, something that kind of works to something that works very well. And then you keep refining it. And each step along the way, you're learning the skills that when you look at the great entrepreneurs, they all have these skills They develop them through other ways, but this is a way for you to develop them so that you can become someone who can start from nothing, but identify problems around you, solve them in ways that become so useful to the other people, to other people, that they support you back, that they help you.
1: Oh, great. Now, so many of our friends and associates have asked for help in this area and so becoming your best actually has a breakthrough two-day breakthrough leadership conference and so I am excited to hear about some of these things that are involved in the exercises because when people start out I mean we we think about this as we begin this entrepreneurial conference just thinking about the current reality of what's happening the history of individuals that Start ideas. And like you said, sometimes Josh, they're within a company, which is great. You have many internal entrepreneurs. Other times it's somebody that has decided they want to develop an idea, but it starts with the idea. And so often people go directly to execution and we call that FFF, formula for failure. And it sounds to me like you've created something between the idea and the execution that minimizes the risk because right now if somebody starts something within 10 years, 70% of them will have failed. Only 30%. I thought more than that. Well, it is. I'm just being conservative. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So let's talk about, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear about the exercises and what do you feel is appropriate to share now during the podcast and how can you help us understand what is involved in this? I'm excited to hear about this.
2: The best way that I can describe it is by analogy, because they're experiential exercises, meaning that you have to experience going through them to learn from them. I mean, we learn from experience. So the analogy that I'd like to use is, imagine you lived in a world where everyone who taught piano taught it by lecture and case study. And so if you wanted to learn to play the piano, you'd sit in a classroom and they'd teach you, or they just told you, here's the history of Bach and Beethoven and, you know, music appreciation. It's very useful. It's nice to learn but it doesn't actually help you play piano. Imagine you came up with the idea of playing scales. Now in history, scales took a long time to develop. Now, if someone wants to learn to play piano and you say, put your thumb here, put your finger here, put your finger on this key, put your next finger on this key and so forth to learn to play a scale, you would say that isn't playing my heart out. That's not an emotional expression of of how I feel. It's very mechanical. The thing is that if you want to get to Carnegie Hall, you might think these mechanical things don't work, but actually that's exactly how people get to Carnegie Hall, is you have to practice the at first very mechanical things, but when you get those down, when you don't have to think about where your fingers are going, then you can start expressing yourself through the music. There's lots of middle steps, lots of middle exercises as well. And so the early exercises are like playing scales for piano. And if I describe them, you might say, it doesn't sound like very much, but as you develop them, as you do them, you develop your voice. Here it would be your entrepreneurial voice or you taking initiative voice as opposed to your musical playing voice. And it's the same in other areas. And if you want to play tennis, you start with ground strokes. If you want to play basketball, you dribble. If you want to do the military, you do basic training. And this is basic training. So the early exercises are really, it starts with writing a personal essay just to give you direction. But then it's writing down problems and solutions and then talking to people and getting them to give you advice and votes on which one to work on. And then it's refining and refining and finding by going out to people and getting advice from them. But I give very specific ways. So you don't have to guess it. like, how do I ask for advice? Or what kind of advice am I looking for? I give specific what to do and how to say it. If you have relationships with people, you don't have to follow the scripts perfectly. But I give scripts so that people don't have to guess. They can use the scripts that work pretty well. I hope that describes it. Because what I found is if I try to describe exactly what the exercises are, it's like, <laughs> imagine describing piano scales to someone who wants to play like, on stage, it doesn't seem quite yet like it would work, but it actually does. Right. And I also put throughout the book a bunch of stories at each step of the way so that people can see what it was like for other people who went through the same stages and what they got out of the exercises.
1: Okay, good. And let's keep building on this and, and understanding it, looking at the application. So what would be, say, the first exercise? What's one of the well, first the, things you recommend? The very first exercise is to write a personal essay, and that's to give you direction.
2: Because people often have multiple areas that they could go into. And it's best to pick one and go with it. Sometimes people are nervous if you go in one direction. Oh, what if I pick direction A and direction B was actually the perfect one for me? Well, developing the skills that you do along working with A, if you decide you want to switch, actually the switch is very quick and easy. So I give people direction with the first exercise. The next exercise, more specifically, I'll go into a little more detail, is to spend a week thinking of the direction that you want to go into. And looking for problems in that area, places where people complain, places where you complain, places where people wish things were faster or easier. And you write down, over the course of the week, five problems. And to come up with some solution, however rudimentary, this is a big challenge here, is not to evaluate the quality of your solution yet. Because no one the first time through is going to write down a great idea. What happens is that you, by writing down these five rudimentary ideas, the next stage is going to have you share these ideas with other people ask advice from them. And you'll be surprised at how quickly that advice changes those ideas from rudimentary and sometimes embarrassing to plausible. The next couple of stages, will keep refining them and they go from plausible to actually really awesome. And eventually you'll have someone say, when's it going to come out? I want to buy this thing or I want to I use your service, but it takes a while to get there. So the early stages are asking for advice on very rudimentary ideas. And I give instruction. A lot of times when you ask someone, I wonder if you could give me some advice. People mean well, and they'll say something. Like, I think that sounds great. Go for it. The thing is, I think that sounds great. Go for it. It's judgment. It may be positive judgment, but it does really help you improve it. So I give lots of tips on how to switch, how to deflect judgment and get advice. Because if they say, you know, if you made it a little bigger, you made it a little smaller, or we talked to so-and-so about it, that's much more useful. And the types of advice you get, some of the advices will change people. You know, I, I've been teaching this course at NYU. The book is based on a course. So I have hundreds of students go through it from all levels, from undergrad through I teach professionals who with gray hair and advanced in their careers. I do a lot of coaching one-on-one. And it's remarkable the changes that go through people. Students keep telling me, I did not think that I could learn the sorts of things that I learned in this class outside of life. I didn't even think you could learn these
1: things. Yeah, great. Oh, that's good. That's exactly what I was hoping for. And that kind of gives a good feel for things. So Josh, can you share a couple of example stories of people who did the exercises and the results? I think that could be helpful to me and our listeners.
2: Yeah. The opening story I picked because it's a guy, he's now a friend of mine. At the time, he contacted me out of the blue. He wanted coaching. He said, Josh, you started a company. I can't stand working where I work anymore. Please help me start a new company. The deal was that he was at a media company. It was a small company. And I didn't know this until he told me, but he had constantly come up with ideas that he felt were profitable or were lower costs and he'd go to his, his managers and say, how about this idea? And over and over again, they would say, well, we'll think about it. And it would just, you know, nothing would come of it. So he thought, I don't want to work for people anymore. I can do this better. So I started working with him and we started doing these exercises. Now I was actually preparing him. This is, oh, this is over a decade ago. And I was preparing him to help start a company and we were developing ideas. And one day he comes, we start the coaching session. He goes, Josh, I don't need to start a company anymore. I go, what, what do you mean? And he said, I didn't tell you this, but I've been taking the principles that I've been learning through doing these exercises with you to start a new company. And I've been applying them with my managers, with the old ideas. And instead of asking them, trying to find a perfect idea and showing it to them so they'd have to say yes, I went back to early stages and shared the ideas with them, got their advice and improved it. And eventually they gave me the project. And so I don't want to leave my company anymore. <laughs> and so it turns out Yes, he, he wanted ownership in the sense of having deliverables and responsibility and authority to be able to deliver them, but he didn't want to start a company. He didn't want to file with the state, figure out health insurance, hire people, get office space. He wanted authority and responsibility and resources, and that's what he got. And as a result, it turns out that while he didn't get a raise, he would go home earlier every day because he could do his work faster, and so it was an effective raise. He worked a few hours per day. So that's one example.
1: think this is illustrating the impact because what I'm hearing from you, and as we think of the gap here between the idea and execution, this is really a set of disciplines that individuals can learn and that it helps strengthen not only the individual, but the whole organization.
2: Exactly. That's if they want to stay. I think that organizations would do well to give this kind of training to their employees. A lot of companies, they're scared that if you give them entrepreneurial training, that people are going to leave. But if you give them initiative training, then they start solving problems. And then people people get promoted this way because I think managers recognize, especially CEOs recognize, if this person is a good problem solver, do I want them solving low-level problems or high-level problems? So they want to promote people who know how to take initiative
1: and solve problems. Right. Yeah, great. Well, let's hear one more story, and then I'd like to talk about this word initiative a bit more. Sure. So at the other end of the extreme is Jonathan.
2: So Jonathan was a lawyer making six figures and he had an Ivy league degree. And I didn't know this until he took my class. What happened was he went to a mentor of his and said to the mentor, you know, am making a lot of money. It's not really rewarding. I don't feel meaningful about my work. And the guy said, take a class, take a night class at NYU. It happened to be that he took my class. And so when he took my class, he had no idea that was about a project at all. He just thought maybe get an overview of entrepreneurship. He didn't know it was going to be a project based class. So he did the exercises and a project emerged. The details of it was that he wanted to help one-on-one people through bankruptcy. So bankruptcy has become more and more difficult all the time. And in the process of creating this project, he also met a programmer and the programmer, and he decided, let's put this online. And so they kept developing the project and not long afterward, let's see the things that happened. It got written up in the Wall Street Journal, in the Washington Post. He got funding from... Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and Eric Schmidt from Google. And he got into Y Combinator, if you know the thing out in Silicon Valley, and became one of the few nonprofits there. The American Bar Association named their project one of the top online resources for 2018. And I give this an example. I'm, I'm skipping all the middle steps of how he grew and grew and grew. But you can read that. And You can just go to the Wall Street Journal and find out. And the point is that even though he didn't have an idea at all to start with, And if he had gone to a lot of the resources that were out there that were saying, if you have an idea and a team, we can help you build it, they actually would have been a bigger hurdle for him because he didn't have an idea at the beginning. And yet he made it to the pinnacle of this startup world. If you know Y Combinator, that's like one of the big, how do you put it, the most prestigious places where you can do, it's like an incubator, an accelerator. Yeah, great area. Right. And so anyone can start from almost nothing and these exercises really change you as a person. And if you go to the book page for, this, for the book, there's a video of Jonathan talking about this experience.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, why the word initiative? That's the name of oh, your man. book. Tell us, why did you choose initiative for that book? As the yeah, point. I said, oh man, because you had to hear the conversations
2: between me and my publisher. They're like, put the word entrepreneurship on the cover. It's going to sell more. And I was like, it's whatever I say entrepreneurship to people, I can't stop them from thinking Shark Tank or... You know, venture backed high growth engineers sleeping in the garage in their twenties. And this does help people like that. There's lots of resources for people like that. But taking initiative is, in my view, more general than it's one application of taking initiative is to start a for profit company, but it's not the only one. I mean, my podcast is a big passion of mine and it's not a big profitable thing. I mean, it gets me. Speak engagements and things like that, but it itself is just a project, but I love it. I mean, I deeply, deeply love it. And so there's many different ways that you can take initiative. And if you take initiative, you can become your best. You can develop all these other skills of grit and perseverance and being able to talk to people and and get them to support you and all these different things and discover your passions and unearth them and build them and make them a part of your life. If you don't take initiative... You'll be lucky if you get a lot of those things. Sometimes life will bring them to people. But taking initiative is a much more sure way of getting them. Starting a company doesn't always get that. I know the first company that I did, if I'd gotten like, the advice that goes for a lot of people with ideas and teams, I would have built a bigger company doing something I didn't really like. When you take initiative this way, it's always based on something that you like. And you actually determine and find more of your passions. And you unearth them and build them.
1: Thank you for the background on that. I love that because anybody can start. I mean, you just got to get going. That's what initiative is. And you've also shared some other words, passion and action. How do you tie those together? The relationship between initiative, action, passion, getting something done, getting going. (laughs) That's where it starts. There's a few myths out there that I buy into sometimes. I have to get them
2: out of my head sometimes. A lot of people think, you need a passion to start. If you discover your passion, they look at someone like, I don't know, Bill Gates, and they say, well, that guy had a big passion for starting you know what became Microsoft. If I had a big passion, I would do that too. Unfortunately, I just haven't got my passion yet, but hopefully it'll come soon. And the only thing you can do if you believe them is you just have to wait for the news to whisper in your ear. And sometimes people get lucky, but for the big things in my life, I don't want to depend on luck. At the other side, there's a lot of people who say, act. Just act on something, and eventually your passion will emerge. The thing there is that, okay, you get to act, but sometimes you do stuff and it doesn't really, it's not really what you want. And you hope it'll turn into a passion of yours, but it might not. And so you start something that doesn't work out. You start something that doesn't work out. And a lot of people start feeling like, ah, it's not worth it. They feel a futility. And what I find works is not to wait until you have a huge passion and then act, or not to act so much that you, know, you force a passion to form. To start with a little bit of direction from some interest, take initiative there, do some action. If that action goes well, we'll develop a little bit more passion. That passion will lead you to take a little bit more initiative. And that initiative will lead you to act. The action will lead you to passion. It's what I call the initiative, action, passion cycle, where instead of waiting for everything on one side, you, you develop things cyclically. And so the cover of the book has this spiral staircase, because as you go around the cycle, in one direction, you go around in a circle, but each time you go around, you go up a level. And most times when people start, they start with what they kind of like. And if it goes well, they like it more. And if it goes well, they keep liking it more. Each time you do these cycles, it takes you up a level. And sometimes you, something will run out. Like I'm sure people have taken on a project. It went really well for a while, and then it kind of petered out, and they were done with that project. Then you start with another one, and that will take you up another level. And then you start with another one, that will take you up another level. Each time you do these things, you go from what I call passing fancies into hobbies and things that you really like, and eventually you reach life passions. And so this initiative action passion cycle keeps taking up more and more levels all the time, each time going from things you have access to that are kind of passing fancies up until life
1: passions. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for... Talking about that, and one of the words you used a number of times, Josh, is doing something that you're excited about. How does that play in?
2: Yeah, excitement is, I don't know if you can hear my voice. I love what I do. (laughs) I didn't always love what I do. And I was telling you before we started recording, I'm just post book launch. And so the number of my emails is like insanity. I'm I'm barely catching up. My eyes are glazed over from being in front of all this stuff (laughs) and, and so much nitty gritty detail. And if I was doing this work for someone else, I would be furious. I'd be like, this is terrible. You give me some micro crap. It's horrible. But it's my stuff and I love it. Hopefully everybody has that feeling, right? Like I wouldn't change anyone, any other kids' diapers, but everyone loves changing their own kids. I don't know. I mean, everyone changes their own kids' diapers. When you have a project that you created, other people help you develop it and you've heard from them. I really like what you're doing. I want to buy that thing. There's two types of inspiration that I find. December 31st, People say to themselves, I'm going to go to the gym once a week this year. And we all know somewhere around Valentine's Day, 99% of people are not going to the gym anymore. They felt inspired December 31st, but it doesn't always stick that much. That's inspiration. It's hopefully for a lot of people, it does work out. That kind of fades when it's just about yourself. But when you talk to someone about, there's this problem I've been working on. I think I can solve it. Can you give me some advice? And in the process of giving advice, they say to you, this is great. I want to buy this that type of inspiration to improve the lives of people around you, it becomes greater than yourself. That type of inspiration, that can last a lifetime. That's excitement. And that comes from, as far as I know, it only comes not from just having an idea, but acting on it so it actually takes on a life of its own to where people feel the results of what you're doing. That's what this book is about. I mean, I hope it gets people promotions and raises. I hope it gets people to solve other people's problems. But I hope that it gets them to feel that excitement, that passion that just does not fade because people tell you, you've made my life better. And as an aside, they might say, take my money, please, so I can, you know, so I can make more, of this, so you can make more of these things.
1: <laughs> Great. So, how long does it take for one person to do all the exercises?
2: There's 10 exercises, and I envision people doing them in about a week, about a week each. So it would be 10 weeks. But some people do it in about half that time. And once, The dean asked me to do this. I taught the class block week style, which was Monday through Friday, nine to five. So once I had a whole class do it in a week, but that was a pretty intense class with me there. But in in principle, it's possible to do it that quickly, but that's pretty tough. I'd say a month would be really fast. 10 weeks would be average. And some people, they really get into it and they, they go into real depth on one exercise. And some people take a lot longer. And there's a couple of stories of people who took a lot longer in the book because they got so much more out of it.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm just in this. I'm looking out across my yard here and planted our garden about three weeks ago. And what you're talking about is planting the seeds to entrepreneurship and, and successful, being successful and projects that you can make a difference in. But it takes a while. You've got to prepare the ground and cultivate it. And that's what sounds like these exercises help you do. And so that you grow something really awesome.
2: Yeah. And I think that they're listening to this podcast. They've been developing it for a while because that's what you're about. So I think that they have that garden.
1: Ah, yeah, that's right. This is, But it's great. I love it because it helps you think this way. Well, I'm always shocked, Josh, of how fast things go. Our time's up. Tell us how our listeners can learn more about what you're doing. How can they get the book and how can they find out more about our friend Josh and his good work?
2: So everything is at my webpage, Joshuaspodek.com. And I post my blog every day. If you go to the upper right corner and click on books, then you can get to initiative. And that'll take you to Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or wherever you want to buy it. And it'll also give you videos and you can download the preface. And there's also the podcast is there too. So Joshuaspodek.com. Everything's there.
1: Okay. Well, we can't wait. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to read the book. We'll get it here uh, very shortly. So thank you, Joshua Spodek for being on this show again. Great time. Congratulations on the book. And you're making a difference in the world, my friend. Stephen, thank you very much. The pleasure has been all mine. All right. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too are making a difference every single day. And it's a light that shines from you. And as we keep learning and becoming our best and developing, mastering these principles, It has a huge intergenerational impact. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best, wishing you a great day.
0: Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help.